be back with another full 15 minutes of all the late news at 11 o'clock. And now here's Gene Shepard. That's enough of that, George. Thank you. <laughs> that should be one of my resolutions for this year, to get rid of that damn thing. You know, uh, yeah, you, that's, you were in the Marines, right? That's a great uh, great expression you just used. Uh, you don't hear that. Uh, that's a rare uh, command. But, boy, when uh, when it's given, it's a wild one. That's uh, a command, of course, is a symbolic and ceremonial command. And uh, there's always somebody up on a high stand hollering that. You know, the aide to the general or something. And, uh, you, yeah, that's right. And you can hear this voice floating out over the entire parade ground, which is like about 28 miles square. And, uh, yeah, you hear, oh, huge field. I mean, you could put about nine uh, or maybe 15 uh, Shea stadiums in it. And you hear this voice holler, Peace in review and here's the way it goes it goes just yeah just like this he hollers see it's a real ceremonial thing you hear this guy holler pass and and it just echoes over the entire over the entire parade ground pass in review with that (laughs) with that the post band picks it up man Thousands of guys start marching around. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then, then as your your company, you know, gets down there right in front of the stand, the CEO turns around and he hollers, "Eyes right!" <laughs> then, then as your, as the company passes past the stand, he hollers, "Eyes forward!" And then pretty soon somebody hollers, Oh, Black Hush! Forward Hush! Well, you're listening to an ex corporal guide on. That's right, man. All right, George, you set that up there. You know, that that uh, that piece of music has real connotations for me. I was uh, When I was in basic training, 
And uh, basic training is a very traumatic time when you're when you're in any of the services, whether it's the Navy, the Marine, and and it has not changed one bit. In fact, I just got a letter from a kid, uh, a listener, who ex-listener really over over the uh, over the holidays. He wrote to me and he said, you know, he says he'd been listening to my stories about the Army and so on for you know while he was a kid in Jersey, and he said then. He says, here I am now. He says, I'm down in, in Fort Benning, Georgia. And he says, it's fantastic. He says, it's, it's exactly the way you describe it. That It's it's timeless. It really is. And the, the whole trauma of being in basic training is like being in a, in a combustion chamber that you are making the transition between civilian and soldier. <laughs> and that's really what basic training is about, man. And and uh, one of the first things that they train you in is various types of abrupt awakenings. Abrupt, oh, God, abrupt awakenings. Because, you know, in the civilian life, yeah, in civilian life, you know how it is. You know, what do you do in your own life? When, uh, you know, you got to get to work. Let's uh, let's assume you're, you're one of these types who go to work in the morning. You know, you got to get to work at 9 o'clock. So uh, you may, you know, you... Yeah, you may get up at seven thirty. You may get up at eight, eight thirty, and sometimes you say, "Oh, I think I'll sleep a bit. I'll, I'll, I'll miss breakfast." Uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, it's very casual. Civilian life is uh, there are no defined lines. But I want to tell you, in in the basic training that I was, at, I was in this camp. So it was about one hundred thirty thousand guys, and uh, we were. I was down on this uh, in a barracks, uh, white barrack, two story barracks. You know, and 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 every no no tents came later. This is the barracks. Huh? A Quonset hut. Oh, you! I never was in a Quonset hut during basic. Uh, the Marines go for Quonsets. Well, we we had these white two deck barracks, see, and uh, <laughs> and they had in in every barrack they had they had these speakers set around inside. Now these speakers ordinarily were for the use of the uh, of the guy down at the orderly room saying, "Ah, oh, well, uh, Corporal Smithers, please come to the orderly room. Come on, on a double, let's go." Uh, this kind of stuff all the time. But uh, outside of the barracks, like, you know, between the barracks buildings, there were these telephone poles. And on each telephone pole were these gigantic metal parabolic horn speakers. Now, I don't know how you get up in your house. I don't know what they do to get you up. Uh, Everybody's got his own private way, I guess, of getting up in the morning. And most of us gradually edge into the day. Uh, you know, we do it by degrees, but the Army or the Marines or the Navy uh, or the Air Force, it is nothing to do with degrees. There's only two states. You're either asleep or you're awake, and when you're awake, you're running. Uh, you're not just sitting on the edge of your bunk and looking goofy. You're awake. And so, uh, in, this, in this barracks, uh, every morning when I, I was in the Army about maybe a day and a half when it first hit me. I go through the induction center, you know, the whole thing, and uh, that's kind of a kind of a gas, you know, because uh, here it is, all these guys all lined up, and they're giving you more exams and physical exams and giving you the suits and all that jazz. And uh, the next thing I know, yeah, oh, the whole bit, you know, everything, cough and all that stuff. So you finally you finally get down, you're wearing this itchy new suit, and uh, they, they put us on this train, and now I'm in this camp now, which is very official. This is an operating thing. You know, this is not the... You're already in. That's it. It's a, it's a fact. It's a fait accompli. There's no way you can get out now. They're not going to say, Hey, uh, you, the second from the end there, you go on back home. I don't like your looks. 
no way, you're in. So I'm, I'm in this barracks. We, we arrived about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, it, it was kind of civilized. You know, that's after 2 o'clock in the afternoon. The train pulled in. They unloaded us, and they took us down in trucks. And, and, the, and the first thing we did uh, was, to, was to march down to the orderly room or the supply room and draw blankets. Uh, you know, you draw blankets. They give you sheets and stuff like that. It's kind of exciting. See, it's like moving into your own pad. <laughs> and, uh, and we go up. Each guy picks out his bunk. And there I am up, up on the top floor, this two-deck de- two, two barracks. And it looks just like all the barracks you ever see in the movies. You've seen barracks, right? There's a butt can at each end. Uh, the butt can is a is a uh, yeah. It's a well. Our in our case, it was one of these big two gallon uh, canned pineapple cans that was nailed to the barracks wall. You know, you could just lift it off, and uh, and uh, there was water in the bottom of it all the time. And uh, this uh, there were rumors around that some of the cigar butts that were floating around in that butt can dated back to the early days of the. Boer War, yeah, they were very, very fragrant. So the butt cans were there, and so I hung up all my stuff and and uh, made my bunk, and everything was kind of cool. And so that night uh, they gave us about an hour and a half to do this, and now it's chow time, you know, dun, 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 and uh, we had a brief uh, ceremony before chow time, which is called retreat. Now you know what you know what retreat is, George, because you stood retreat many a time. And uh, after retreat, me and Gasser and the Zinsmeister and a couple of guys go down to the PX. By now, we always already feel like hard-bitten veterans. You know, we've been in the Army a couple of days now, and then we got our suits on. Oh, we go down and we buy ourselves a couple of that, that uh, GI beer, sit around. And I don't know what it was. It wasn't real beer. I don't know. It, well, it was. You know, it tasted sort of like uh, like weak beer. 3.2, I guess it was. So uh, we're drinking this beer. Little did we realize uh, the excitement that we would have the next morning. We uh, drink the beer. So finally, Gasser says, what do you say? Come on, you know, I said, I'm kind of tired after that trip and all. So we go back to the barracks, and the guys are sitting around at the edge of the bunks. Some guys are sitting out. Already the, the routine had begun to slowly set in. And you, you, we're getting slowly used to being with, you know, with a bunch of uh, total stranger types. And uh, we're sitting around sitting on the barracks bag, and I'm polishing my shoes. Funny, uh, through the uh, PA system, you hear this voice says, All right, you guys, lights out in five minutes. Lights out in five minutes. Okay, lights out. See, that's again with the Army. See, the Army does it for you. There's uh, a... Around your house, I think you're in charge of lights out, aren't you, Jerry? Uh, That's right. Either that or, you know, sometimes the power company here is in charge of lights out. Yeah, Con Ed maybe handles that for you occasionally. (laughs) Blow the switch. But uh, nevertheless, in the Army, see, everything's done that way, so lights out comes. And they turn the lights out, and uh, that's it. The, the only light in the company is down in the latrine. And a few guys immediately, you know, they're only in the Army about two days. Immediately, they're down to the latrine in the shower. They take the, the duck boards from the shower, and they're playing craps in the showers. Uh, also, there's four or five guys are already down in the day room. The day room remains lit, too, and the orderly room. So they're down in the day room there. And the, the crap game begins. And there's always those guys. You wonder when the hell they slept. You know, they, they're up there at 4 o'clock in the morning. So I climb in my sack, my GI sack, which has a... You know, they're very comfortable, as you know, George. Extremely. Absolutely. They're great. See, so I dig in. And just like that, I instantly corked off. Well, it seems that 
just as soon as I corked off, without any warning, the next thing I know, it just like instantly, I, I, I'm just lying there one minute, and as you know, you're in your own world when you're asleep. I mean, whatever world it is, it's your own world. You're, you're, you're nothing. You're not in any army or nothing when you're asleep. I'm lying there when suddenly... Boom! Fantastic! It was playing so loud, there ain't no way you could escape it. I mean, the, the windows are jiggling in there in the cell, you know, just going up and down. The lights are wide open. I hear this voice. All right, you guys, come on, get the lead out, move out. Let's go, let's move it up there. Police up the barracks, move out. We're having going to stand, stand revelry in five minutes, five minutes. Now, come on, move it, move it. Oh, God. Oh, my God almighty. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I want to tell you, I hit the ground, and, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I just was, uh, you know, stunned. I'm staggering around. And, uh, of course, there's always four or five guys in every group who love that kind of thing. I don't know what it is. There's, yeah, there's certain guys who like to get up at that ungodly hour. Well, it just so happened that this this uh, camp had its reveille, in case you're curious, at 5.05 a.m. Well, that's early. Yeah, 5.05. That's early clock in the morning. And, uh, of course, uh, the, most of the normal people, it was like, you know, pulling teeth out of an alligator. You know, we, we wake up, you know, <laughs> but uh, there's always two or three guys that hit the, hit, there they are, they're your buddies, you know. Yeah, they hit the floor running, they got the boom going, they say, come on, let's go, wow, come on, up and at them, guys. If anybody, uh, there's something about anybody that says up and at them to me. I hate that expression. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I don't know what it is, I've always hated it. It's, it's, it's some kind of a, it's kind of a smarmy quality to it. Up and at him. Well, ever since I've, you know, that, that trauma, uh, that, that, uh, that awakening, every time I hear the Washington Post march, which is just what I played, uh, a, a faint fuzzy buzzing starts be behind both my eyes. And I instantly get sleepy. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's Pavlov or the dogs and stuff like that. This is WOR, New York. <laughs> This is Fred walking into his favorite drugstore. Hi, Fred. Hello, Steve. How's everything going? Pretty good. Fifty-four years ago, Fred's grandfather bought him his first roll of lifesavers. Take out for two, Steve. And now he's doing the same for Freddy the Third, his grandson. Here you are, Freddy. Peppermint. Gee, thanks, Grandpa. <laughs> Grandsons are why grandfathers should always buy plenty of lifesavers. Lifesavers, a part of lifesavers. Cause their great flavor has been around for years and years. And folks have found there's nothing quite like lifesavers, a part of lifesavers. Lifesavers is a registered trademark. Let's take the average caveman at home, listening to his stereo.
This is Jimmy Castor. After you graduate from the Air Force's Officer Training School as a second lieutenant, all you need to earn your wing is a real love for flying. The Air Force provides the rest. And once you find yourself as an Air Force pilot, you'll know you have the best job in the world, a job with status as well as security. Yes, it's a fact. As an Air Force pilot, once you've made it, you've got it made, baby. So if you're interested, come here. Come here. The next thing is kind of interesting, too, if you don't know much about the routine of the armed forces, is that you don't just wake up. Uh, you, you wake up and you run out into the cold. That's what you do. You wake up instantly, you run out, and you hear those whistles going out there in the, in the company street, meaning fall in now. That's it. No more messing around in the barracks. You can run out, and it's cold. It's totally dark of course the sun has not come up nothing yeah all right yeah you get your place that's right the first thing you do your right arm comes up and it touches the shoulder of the guy next to you yeah you get your spacing see and you see this dim figure wearing a field jacket in the black there with a clipboard and uh, he is saying uh, yeah he is the figure yeah figure he's all right all right attention Eddie's. And then you at ease. At ease is an expression meaning, uh, well, it, it doesn't exactly mean at ease. It, it just means, first of all, it means shut up. Uh, you, you, you just you can you can put your left leg about six inches further away from your right leg. In general, you put your arms back of your back, you know, together. See, that's arms akimbo like that. And he says, at ease. And you hear it going all up and down the company street. You hear the same thing. Eddie's, Eddie's, ho, ho. And there they are now. They're waiting. And then he starts calling the roll. Abel, Baker, Watson, Charlie, ho, ho. And, yeah, and, and you hear these voices going, yo, 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 ho, ho, ho. Finally, your name comes up. And then he says, all right, company. Dan Hutt. And you hear the feet going together. Everybody, yeah, everybody stands, stands, stands tall. And then he reads the announcements, which are always kind of fun. Uh, such things as, uh, uniform of the day. Today will be Class D fatigues. You will wear your helmet liner. You will wear your leggings and gas masks. You will carry your M1. At 0800... A detail will fall out for consolidated mess. That detail will be posted on the bulletin board outside of the orderly room. You check the orderly room detail list after chow. If your name is on that list, you will fall out in front of the orderly room at 0800 sharp. You will wear fatigues. You will not take your gas mask along. You will wear your fatigue hat. There will be no helmet liners worn on this detail. We will have sick call detail at 0815. 0815. Any men who wish to fall out for sick call at that time will appear in the oiler room and will tell the company clerk that you are falling out for sick call detail. That will be at 0815. At 0830, there will be a detail assembled in front of the supply room. They will draw equipments and will proceed to execute the detail 
which will be under the command of Corporal Smith. Your name is posted on the bulletin board outside of the orderly room. All men who have not signed their Form 32s will sign your Form 32 by 0815 tomorrow morning or you will be gigged. We expect them forms to be signed. If you have any question about your GI insurance, you will report to the orderly room. At noon chow, you will ask for the GI insurance corporal who will straighten out your insurance for you. Company, did hut, dismiss. That's it. And you can smell, you can smell the, the chow hall down there. You can smell the mess hall. It's that curious smell of GI cooking. It's drifting down the company street. Yeah, well, not necessarily for breakfast. We never got SOS for breakfast. What we got was French toast fried in kerosene. That was what they specialized in our crowd. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and uh, well, there's always a whole bunch of guys that immediately head for the latrine. Uh, then there's another crowd who figures, well, I'm going to go to latrine after breakfast and uh, shave then. So they head to the mess hall. Now, it's six of one half the other, really. If you, if you go to the latrine first, you will miss out on the French toast. You <laughs> will be out by the time you get down there. What will you get? Well, uh, coal cuts, which is always good for any time in the Army. Now, on the other hand, if you go down to the if you go down to the mess hall and eat first, there will be no hot water. So you have to decide whether you want to shave in comfort or if you want to eat in comfort. You know, it's the devil of the deep blue sea. And then at eight oh eight hundred, action begins. Well, now the reason I'm doing this tonight, it's a very important reason. Did you hear that that Congress has got uh, a bill up before it right now? to restore KP to the armed forces? Did you hear that? Well, you know, for some time now, uh, they, they've had civilian employees come in and do the KP, see? Well, uh, they want to restore it now. And, and <laughs> did you hear about that? Oh, yeah. But, you know, I bet there's a lot of guys that are real nervous now. Uh, you know, c c KP can be a real buster. On the other hand, it can be real easy if you get the right job on KP. And the other day... Uh, a writer over here for, uh, uh, yeah, the Bergen uh, Evening Record, uh, the, the Sunday Record in the Bergen Papers, uh, a guy named Mark Stewart, wrote an essay on KP, which, which I think says it pretty good. Uh, listen to what he says. He says, there is, now he, he points, he, he paints this just the way it is. There is the stealthy tread in the night. Then, the fierce whisper in your ear. Let's go. It's time. Get up. Come on, move. The next is a prod of blinding light in your eyes from a flashlight pressed right up against your nose. You ever get that flashlight? The final prod is a gnarled hand around your neck hauling you out of bed. That's the recruit's introduction to KP, kitchen police duty, that molder of tougher men. Now, what he didn't point out, though, was that you were you were told that you were going to have KP the night before? A lot of people have an idea. I guess the movies promoted this that KP is given for punishment. 
you know, when you when you screw up or something in the army, they give you KP. No way. In fact, there's a specific army regulation against that. That KP is a duty. It is not ever to be considered a punishment. So uh, <laughs> KP is not handed out for punishment. A lot of people think you're on KP. You must have really done something bad. No way. KP is a thing that is done by rotation. And, uh, yeah, they just go right down the list of guys, and every couple of weeks you draw KP. It's your turn. That's all there is to it. And the night before, the KP list is posted on the bulletin board. There's a list on KP to mine. There's a whole You find your name. Okay, that's KP. Now, what you got to do uh, in the Army uh, when you have KP is before you go to bed that night, just as you're going to bed, you tie a towel, you know, a white towel on the foot of your bed. <laughs> so when the corporal comes in in the morning, the guy that's on CQ comes in, see, he's he's got to get the KPs up because the KP has to get up at least an hour and a half, two hours, sometimes four hours earlier than anybody else. So if if, uh, if Reveille in this camp is 5.30, this guy's usually up by 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning to draw KP. Boy, the KP just goes on and on and on. And so he, he, he looks into the barracks. He doesn't. He just knows he's got to wake all the guys with the white towel on their bunk. So uh, and, it's, and it's your responsibility. If you don't put that white towel and you miss KP, man, oh. <laughs> so he looks in the barracks. He sees two bunks there with the white towel. It shows up in the dark. So he just walks down, and he takes that flashlight and just zap right in your eyes. He says, come on, let's go. It's time, move. And you wake up. And, you know, you, you feel like you've only been asleep for about eight minutes. And you get this this fantastic uh, day ahead of you. Oh, it's a bad news day. And so you drag your feet out of bed. It's usually cold in the barracks. You put on your fatigues. And you always wear your worst fatigues for KP, the ones that have not been to the laundry for three weeks. And they're gamey. Because you know it's going to be a bad day for those, cap those, those fatigues. And they're going to get gamier than ever. So you put on your fatigues, you put your field jacket on, you don't shave, <laughs> you don't worry about that jazz, you're, 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 you're doing menial duty, you know. So you go wandering on down, unless the camp is really chicken, in which case they require the KPs to shave. Well, you go dragging on down to the kitchen. They, you see these, these, these dark figures in the night heading towards the, towards the mess hall. You, you, you see him. You see him walking in, and you drain yourself up, and you know you walk up, and here's what Mark Stewart says. He says this is the molder of tougher men. Some time back, the Pentagon decided service life could be made more attractive by supplying beer dispensers in the barracks. Do you know they have beer dispensers in the barracks now? Bravo, he says. They put curtains on barracks windows. Fine. They called in fashion designers to cut uniforms. Groovy, wonderful. But when they abolished KP and brought in civilian contract labor to police the kitchens, pick up cigarette butts, and water the grass, the armed forces began to go downhill. Now Congress wants to bring back KP. It will, says the House Appropriations Committee, eventually save the taxpayers $500 million. That's fine. I'm a taxpayer, and I could stand some more savings like that. I'm quoting Stewart here. Bringing back KP duty will do more. It will restore a measure of toughness to the services that they sorely need. All right, then he goes into his, his picture. He says, just think. It's, it's 2 a.m. in a freezing barracks in Kansas. Snuggled under two blankets and a comforter, 
ears covered with his wool cap, green government issue, is the fresh-faced recruit dreaming of cool beer and warm thighs. Then, the fierce voice, the blinding light, the tug at his neck, the insistent that he get up. His dreams, slow to leave, the recruit stumbles in the wash, his teeth chattering, his underwear flapping, his feet sticking to the boards on the latrine floor. Then follows the walk through the dark. See, this is true. Then follows the walk through the dark and the wind and the loneliness toward the beckoning lights of the mess hall. Inside there is warmth, hot coffee, the smell of oatmeal, powdered milk, and lye. You get 16 seconds to finish the coffee. Then come the assignments. Best deal is the dishwasher. That's true, the dishwasher. It's clean work. You get a chance for a breather. And it's all pushing and pulling the racks of glasses and dishes into and out of the water. Worst deal, and I agree, worst deal is pot scrubbing. They always call it, they don't call it pot scrubbing, they call it pots and pans. Yeah, I'll have to correct him on that. But uh, maybe he, he didn't know the civilians would not know that. Worst deal is pot scrubbing. So I don't know how many of you have ever seen the back room of a mess hall. When they cook soup, for instance, it isn't in one of your little four-quart Revere pots. It's done in a vat. That's right. It's done in a vat. Now, these vats are over your head. They're really big, unless you're over six feet tall. The trick in scrubbing them is to get inside and work from the bottom up. If they ever make split pea soup, you can be sure you can be at this chore 16 hours and hardly make a dent in one of the vats. Then there is the floor mopper. This is another job. When he finishes mopping, he can't sit down. No one sits down in a mess hall except the lucky guys eating. When he isn't mopping, the mopper either sets tables or arranges silverware or goes on garbage trucking detail. He also scrubs down butcher blocks and cleans counters. It is not one of the easier tasks. You know about the chow line where the food is dished out? Now, it looks like an easy task, and it is. But KPs do not perform this. It is left for the undercooks the permanent personnel in the kitchen, not yet ripe for a first cook's job. That's right, the KP doesn't have the fun, unless unless you're out on, the, uh, out on bivouac or something, yeah. But in, the, in, the, in a regular mess hall, no way. Then, of course, there's the mess sergeant. Usually he is a quiet, rustic boy who has risen in the service well beyond his expectations. He is sure of his recipes. They're all master recipes supplied by higher headquarters. He is sure of his requisitioning. It's done for him at higher headquarters. He is sure of his men. That's right. They live in perpetual fear of his displeasure and assignment back to the troops. And one thing the cooks don't want to get is to be assigned to the troops. This austere individual bears no resentment towards KPs. That's true, mass sergeants. They are part of his cohort. They needn't worry about him either. He doesn't spy on them or issue orders. Who does? That's the job for the most feared individual in the service, the KP pusher. Do you ever see one of the, Yeah, he's like an assistant cook. He's the KP pusher. Imagine someone with a personality that is a cross between the Marquis de Sade and Jack the Ripper. He has is one mission. He has only one mission, to make sure no KP ever rests for the full 16 hours of his term. The KP pusher is alternately a fawning sycophant for the mess sergeant and a tyrant to the KP. He hasn't the backbone or the time and grade to get a mess hall of his own, 
so he acts as a surrogate punishment brigade for the mess sergeant. He judges his own performance by the number of men he can reduce to hysterics. I have known <laughs> the most pacific of men to go berserk after provocation and try to garrot a KP pusher with the strings from a roast beef. The, <laughs> the KP pusher is a service necessity. He makes great soldiers out of civilians. Three sessions of KP and the recruit begins to plot either to go over the hill permanently or become such a fine soldier that he will be promoted. Non-commissioned officers do not pull KP. It's the best incentive that the service has. Military proficiency began to slip when the KP pusher was sent back to the ranks. Bring him back. Well, you know, that's the end of his piece. That was written by uh, Mark Stewart in the Bergen Evening Record. But uh, I remember, you know, you uh, talk about KP. If you want to hear personal reminiscence of KP, is uh, the first time I wasn't in the army three days. I'm not kidding. I was, uh, I was, I was in the army about three or four days. When I pulled KP, it was on the on the board. And I was kind of excited, you know. When you first go into the army, all this stuff is all new. See, and everything is exciting, and. Uh, crack of dawn. Oh, it was well before dawn. Two o'clock in the morning, I got the light in the eyes and I'm dragged out of bed. Now, remember, I had just gotten my new suit, my new uniform, everything. It was very cold. It was midwinter. It was like, uh, oh, maybe February or March. Something about like this, or maybe January, December. Cold. God, bitter cold. And, and the barracks were icy. I got up and walked through this icy barracks with my fatigues on. They were stiff. They were brand new fatigues. And when you first get in the army, you're really proud of your uniform, all that stuff you got, you know. So I had this very stiff pair of green fatigues, and I had a brand new field jacket, a great-looking jacket. And I go out into the night and down to the mess hall. Well, I had seen many pictures, movies of guys on KP. I always thought it was like a see here, Private Hargrove. Everybody sat around and made funny gags and that kind of stuff. See? So I arrived down at, down at, the, down at the mess hall. And, and there's already about 10 guys in our KP. It's a great big consolidated mess, by the way, we were eating in. It wasn't just a company mess. There was about five, six companies eating in there. So they had about 10 or 15 guys on mess, on, on KP. So I walk in, and uh, the, the, the KP pusher and the, the mess sergeant are sitting there at one of the tables drinking coffee. And they got us all just sort of lined up by the bread box. Now, in every mess hall, they have this great big screen box where they keep the bread and stuff. And so the guys are sort of milling around there. And uh, the KP pusher walks over and he starts giving us the jobs. Well, I'd heard about, you know, washing dishes. This, uh, this is always part of the scene, washing dishes. There's always, one, one thing he didn't point out, though, that there's some KPs that are assigned to things like, uh, like uh, squeezing lemons, uh, <laughs> uh, breaking eggs. I remember one time I, I, had, I had the job in the Army. They had about 17 crates of eggs. And for about an hour, all I did was break eggs into this great big vat. They were making some kind of egg custard pudding. You know, all these enormous vats, and I'm breaking the eggs. And about every fifth egg was rotten. <laughs> what a job. Well, this particular morning, though, I'm, 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 you know, I'm all excited. This is my first real job in the Army. Up to this point, it's been nothing but shots, getting your uniform, falling out, going down and drawing equipment. But now is a real job. I'm really doing the first thing I ever did in the Army. So I'm standing with the other KPs, looking very eager. 
Nobody. I, d I didn't know a soul. Just me. I'm standing with this crowd. The mess sergeant comes over and he's talking to the KP pusher. And the pusher walks over and he starts dividing us. He says, all right, he says, you two guys over there. What you two guys on pots and pans? Uh, hey, you, Mac, go over there. The guy's standing over the bread box. Uh, yeah, the guy with the glasses. You're the outside man today. Uh, you two guys, you're on garbage detail. Uh, you over there, I want you guys to go back. Go, go back with a corporal. He's got some stuff for you to do. I want you to do to be We got some knives and stuff to have to be sharp, and you're going back there. He said, I want you two guys over there to be on mop detail. Uh, China Clipper for you over there. You two guys on the China Clipper. You know what the China Clipper is. You two guys on the China Clipper. He says, hey, uh, let's see, those four guys in the end, I want you four guys to fall over by the door. So I fall over by the door. I was one of the four guys. And then he comes walking over to us after the other guys split to do their jobs. He says, uh, I want you four guys to go back to the barracks and pick up your overcoats. So you guys are going to be working outside. Get your coats. Well, now, one of the prized pieces of equipment you had in the Army was your coat, right, George? I mean, you know, this is... And they had tailored it. You know, they, they took it and they cut it down. It was an like overcoat, you know, kind of a groovy-looking coat with a big collar with the buttons on. See? So he says, go back and get your coats. So I run back to the barracks. He says, I'm a double. Come on, move you guys. So I run back and I pick up my coat and I put on my great new coats <laughs> over my fatigues. And I come running back to the... Running back to the you see, that's another thing you carry forward from your civilian life. You tend to believe that clothing is to be worn for ornament as a civilian. In the Army, clothing is primarily a functional thing. So uh, if, what would you do if you had a, a real nice new overcoat? Would you wear it when you're doing something? No, I doubt it. You, you'd keep it hung up in the, in the closet there. You know, you're not going to fix the car with your new overcoat on, are you? You're not going to get in there and grease the car. Well, the four of us come back with our new overcoats on, and the guy says, okay, I want you guys to come around the side here with me. And he says, uh... Oh, by the way, he says, uh, by the stairs there, pick up them shovels, and you two guys, I want you to push them, uh, push them wheelbarrows along. So we got shovels now and wheelbarrows, and it's bitter cold. It's, the temperature may be close to zero. And uh, we go alongside the, the mess hall, and around the back of the mess hall, there was a tr tremendous, like a coal cellar, great big cellar there. And in the cellar, you could see down there, they had, it was like a coal bin is what it was. And next to the barracks, right next to the, the mess hall building, was a gigantic, it looked like it was about 40 tons, a gigantic pile of coal. Well, this is what they used in this particular mess hall. They used coal uh, to, you know, for the stoves and all that jazz. Now, don't, don't come and say, well, were you in the Army that long ago? They didn't have electricity. Don't say that. This, this uh, camp was way out in the Ozarks. And, and it just so happened this camp used used coal for its ba basic barracks fuel, and for the fuel in the in the mess hall. So we're standing by this giant pile, and then he lays it on us. So I want you guys to load that coal into that bin there. He says, "Now you two guys with the shovels, you shovel that stuff into the coal into the into the wheelbarrows. You other guys push the wheelbarrows over and dump it down." He says, "I want you to push it down in. He says, I don't want you to pile it up by the front. I want you to push it down in." Okay. And when you're through with the job, I want you guys to come right into the mess hall. Well, we started to shovel coal at about, I'd say, about 4 o'clock in the morning, in the dark. We're shoveling coal, temperature standing at zero. I've got my new overcoat on. The clouds of coal dust are rising. 
I, I wasn't pushing that damn wheelbarrow five minutes when I picked up the wheelbarrow and the bottom of the wheelbarrow hooked my coat and ripped the rip about four feet in the thing. My brand new coat. <laughs> That's the army. I mean, the army, you, you know, the coat is to keep you warm. It's not to be looking good, right? Well, so we worked. And, oh, I'm getting this depressing feeling. And we just kept working and working and working and working. And the pile of coal did not seem to get any smaller. Working and working. And I'm bone cold. I mean so cold that you can actually feel the cold in your bones. Really in your bones. So we're pining this cold. Now it is roughly 8 a.m. We've been at it about four hours. Now this in normal life, this is a half a day's work. But it's only 4 o'clock in the... You know, it's only 8 o'clock in the morning. We had to go until roughly 10 o'clock that night. KP was over at Lights Out, or about 10 minutes before. We were going till 10. And we are all... There was... Yeah, all four of us, we were just kids, you know, and, and we had just come out of high school. And we were not used to this kind of... Uh, we were simply not used to this kind of uh, manual labor where they didn't stop. Well, we sat down on our on our... By this time, we didn't give a damn about our coats. I've got coal dust and crud all over my coat. The, the grease from the wheelbarrow. They had grease on the wheels and all that stuff. I sat down on the edge of one of the wheelbarrows. You know, it's all full of coal dust. I don't care anymore. My hands are hurting. I've got my GI mittens. My mittens are all covered with coal dust. I sit on the edge of the wheelbarrow, and the other three guys are taking a break, and they did nothing. I can remember those those gray faces and that cold. Uh, that cold dawn light, all four of us sitting there. Finding one of them gets up and says, well, I remember his name was Hunter, yeah. Hunter gets up and says, well, we got to do it. The, the quicker we do it, the quicker we'll get this damn stuff in. So we go back to it, and we work and work and work. Now it's noontime, and you can see all the guys coming in for chow. You know, all the other guys from the company are walking by. They don't even pay attention. Guys never look at KP's. Because it's a terrible sight. <laughs> they just walk right out. Oh, yeah, but, you know, they, they, they feel... Once in a while, somebody will say something, but we're loading this stuff in, and it's getting down there now, see? It's getting down there. We, we've made a dent in it now. We've, we've shoveled in about 30 tons of coal, see, in this great big bin in the back of this building. Well, we're down to about 1 o'clock now in the afternoon. We've been at this since 4 o'clock in the morning, and I am so tired, so bone-cold, that have you ever gotten at a point where you're so tired and so cold that everything is unreal? It's like it's like a, a like you're like you're doing it mechanically, shoveling the coal into the coal bin, shoveling the coal into the wheelbarrow, push the wheelbarrow, dump the wheelbarrow, shovel it in, and and you got you're getting very sloppy, you know, it, to the point where you're even shoveling it on your foot, you know, you don't care, your your feet are so cold you don't even feel it. And you can smell, now it's getting, it's getting to the point now where they're beginning to cook the evening meal. You can smell the meatloaf cooking now. And you can smell all the evening stuff cooking. And we've been at this now since, it seems like three weeks ago. 4 a.m. that morning when he came in with the light at 2 o'clock, woke me up at the 4 o'clock beginning to work. That seems like weeks and years ago. We're just working in this endless pile of coal. About 2.30 in the afternoon, as we're working away, just kind of in a half stupor, a truck comes around the corner of the company street. It's a great big truck, 
pulls up right by the coal bin. The back comes down. Up it goes. Another 19 tons of coal on top of the pile. And he drives away. And we just kept shoveling and shoveling. About 5 o'clock in the afternoon, the mess sergeant is looking out at us. He sends the KP pusher out. The KP pusher comes up and says, Hey, you guys, come on, I'll take a break down. Time now, you guys. They're going to be in here in about an hour for, e- for evening chow. It's time to get in here and eat. Now, come on, let's move. They give you about five minutes. We sat down at this table. All the rest of the KPs look so nice and clean. We're covered with dirt and crud, and our hands are battered, and my fingernails are broken. There's my coat is ripped out, the back's off, the buttons are hanging. I sit down and eat my meatloaf and my canned beets and get up. The four of us go back out into the night and start shoveling. It wasn't over until five minutes to ten. I always, it's made me a better man, right, George? <laughs> better man. Hey, this is WOR New York. You stay tuned for Lester Smith and the news. He's got the big flashlight. Mm-hmm. <laughs>